0: Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much, sweetie. Can you just appreciate this beautiful woman here? Uh, I'm so privileged to be married to her, and I I just want to say that the words she said are actually true. That actually is her testimony. She's been one of my biggest instructors when it comes to giving, and she she practices what she says. She has challenged me, grown me, uh, and she really has been iron sharpening iron. She's sharpened me uh, in our marriage, uh, I think one I, I I've shared in this congregation. My instinct is to clutch. Uh, I'm 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 not a giver naturally, but by God's grace and my wife's help, uh, God is freeing me up to become a kingdom financier, and that's really my desire. So to God be the glory. I know He's teaching us all together. And uh, the other thing I want to say as we continue is uh, on on that line is last week was actually a historic uh, week. It was our gift Sunday, uh, one of our uh, many that we've had towards our land that we are purchasing. And I just want to announce that we had the highest giving I think we've ever had in Mavuno Church. Uh, Just for the gift alone, just for Count Me In alone, without the tithes and offering, was about 5 million shillings. To God be the glory. Wow. I bless the Lord. I bless the Lord for what He is doing. And so, I mean, it was so astounding for us. We said, my goodness, we've been praying for this. Uh, we've recognized how much we need to be giving at this point. And I thank God because He's answering our prayers as a congregation. And we co- that's why we continue to pray, because we recognize uh, we are in that place right now. We've bought the land. Uh, we've, we've, or rather, we've paid for at least uh, a big part of it. We've secured it. But now we're in the place where we need to get procurement. Uh, for uh, the big dome. We're planning to have a dome about twice, in fact three times as big as this one, Uh, just because we have the space to do it now. Uh, We need to put our parking in place, we need to do our fencing. Uh, Those things should be starting by now, Uh, but one of the things the team has the development team has told me is, you know, we're behind in our procurement. Uh, We're not able to order because we've had a cash flow issue, and as we've spoken to many of you, people have said, yeah, this year began pretty tough. The anticipations we had for our business, uh, the things we expected to, be ha- the, the things we expect to have come through for us haven't come through because of that whole election period we went through. And so as a result, uh, things have s- kind of slowed down uh, for us. And yet, because uh, we're very close to the landlord, we, we recognize his, his, his plans are continuing uh, for development on this land. And so we know that his time is going to come pretty soon where he's going to tell us, you need to move out. And so we are in that place where we're praying. And I want to ask you to continue praying. Uh, for us. Uh, Pray for the church uh, in general. I've been praying not for the Mavuno as an institution, but as Mavuno as the people, that God would lead us into those breakthroughs that will enable us to release his resource, Uh, resources we've already pledged for this work. And I'm trusting God that it's going to happen and it will happen soon. And so anybody trusting God for economic breakthrough, uh, I know there are many, many of you here, and we're praying. We're praying, and let's continue praying. Don't just pray for yourself. Uh, pray for the people in your life group. Pray for the people around you that the Lord will bring this to pass because I believe that God wants to do something incredible at this place. Uh, one of the things that I, I just have been sensing God wants to do is something that will make the ears of Africa tingle because people will say, surely Africans could not have done this without foreign aid. And will say, no, no, it actually happened here. resources from here and it's not going to be because we're taking pride but because we're saying to god be the glory because the lord can use the least to shame the wise isn't it uh this is what we're saying it's our time as africa and i I pray that we will live in the time when africa will be a donor continent And that it's going to start with us as Mavuno. We're going to become a donor church in a very big way as we do such things. And we begin to show that, you know what, God has given every resource we need in Africa to deal with the issues of Africa. Now speaking about the world, uh, about a month from now, July 3rd to the 4th, I mentioned it last week, we have our Fearless Summit. And we have, uh, this place is full usually with people uh, from many other churches locally. Last year, we had every continent in the world represented. We had about eight af- African countries uh, here as well. Uh, church leaders and business leaders. Uh, people who are, com- who, who are intent on learning how to become influencers of society. And so I, wanna, I just want to mention it again. I know several people in this church who this is, their, their, their leave calendar revolves around Fearless Summit. And at the beginning of the year, they turn in those dates because they must be here. Actually, some of them even bring their work teams uh, because they recognize that the kind of leaders who come here to instruct, uh, it's, it's very high-quality instruction on leadership. And so I want to, if you haven't booked these dates yet, I want to just throw them out to you. Uh, it's 3rd to the 5th. It's a, it's a Saturday. Uh, sorry, it's a Wednesday to a Friday. And I want to challenge you to take some leave. And some of you who already are leading a department or leading a business, consider actually taking a training time and bringing your team, signing up your team uh, for Fearless this year. I know that you will not regret it. And uh, if you want to get more information, just go to www.fearlesssummit.org, and you can find some information there, or you can ask at the info table about how to register uh, for Fearless. Now, I want to just ask a question as I begin. And this is a question. What is one thing that you've been waiting for a long time and you haven't seen it yet. It hasn't happened. You have prayed. Perhaps you've even fasted. You have done what you know, and it has not happened. Are you understanding what that thing is? Can you already visualize it? Now, what I want you to do is just tell your neighbor, since you already know them, just turn to them and tell them. By the way, don't go into the details of crying and all that. And if somebody does, just give them tissue. Uh, It's okay. We're the church that loves. You can be broken. We can be real. Uh, One thing that you've been waiting for for a long time, and it hasn't happened yet. Please share. And if it's your spouse, you don't have to tell them because the thing could concern them. You can tell the other neighbor, isn't it? So, (laughs) one thing you've been waiting for. (laughs) Because some of you could use this moment to tell her, I've been waiting for you to polish my shoes. (laughs) One thing you've been waiting for, for a really long time. It hasn't come to pass. Wow. Wow. And then your spouse, oh sorry, your, your, neighbor, <laughs> your neighbor can tell you what their thing is as well. Just one thing. Wow. Now I asked this question last week. I asked this question last week and I got a variety of answers. And I want to see if you identify with some of the answers my friends gave me. So, one of the very big ones is economic financial breakthrough. Like, I am waiting, still waiting. It has not happened. I have prayed. I have fasted. I am still there. Anybody identify with that one? Financial breakthrough. Let me just see. Show of hands. My goodness, Pastor Carol, you need to be praying that prayer every week. Uh, there are a lot of people who are trusting God for financial breakthrough. Okay, some of the people talked about... Uh, Educational breakthrough, academic breakthrough. You've been waiting to go to school to finish your school to get some school, something to do is cool. It's not happened yet, and you're not even sure why. Come on, just put up your hands. A lot of people with academic breakthrough, you're waiting for Harvard, it hasn't called you yet. Uh, it's going to happen in the name of Jesus. All right. Some other people were praying for healing. A lot of people talked about praying for healing uh, for yourself, for a loved one. You've been praying for somebody in your family. Let me just see a show of hands. A lot of people waiting for healing. It hasn't come through yet. Now, the biggest one I think was family issues, and I just want I want to put family issues because there are many of them uh, in one category. Uh, marriage that is on the rocks. Praying to get married and find a spouse. Uh, praying to have a child. Praying for salvation of somebody who you love. Come on, let me just see family issues. Oh my goodness. Can you see how many people are, are waiting, trusting God, praying, and they still haven't seen those things come to pass. You know, very few of us really enjoy long periods of waiting. And especially when it's something you know you're asking God for or you're trusting for, that is good for you. It's not some, you're not asking for something sinful or luxurious. <laughs> it's not a Range Rover sports with black, you know, with, with rims. and That's not what you're asking. You're, you're asking for something that has to do with life. Something important. And God should know you need it. And it still hasn't come. You know, I think this is one of the hardest things about being a Christ follower. And I've had many people tell me, you know, Pastor M, I did Miss Easy, I got excited, I loved my faith, I joined my life group, and then I trusted God for this thing, and it didn't happen. And they say, you know what, I just walked out. How could a loving God allow his, his, his child, who he says he loves, to go through such a hard time and not come through for them? You know, what do you do when you're in that situation, when you're waiting and waiting and praying and fasting, and it's still not happening? What do you do when you're in that situation? Now, I want to talk ab- about that today. But before I do that, let me bring our visitors up to speed. Last week, we began a new series called Unafraid. And we're, we're learning five qualities of true courage from one of the most courageous leaders in the scripture, King David. An amazing man. And we're going to be learning from his life five uh, uh, five qualities of true courage. Last week, we learned that the foundation of true courage is alignment. It's alignment. And we realize that when you know who your God is and what your God wants in that situation, it doesn't matter how scary it is. If you know God is saying do it, you can do it and trust Him with the consequences. If you really want to have a foundation of true courage, of, of true courage then what you need to do is align yourself. So you know God so well that all you're doing is just obeying Him. And that becomes incredible foundation for confidence and for courage. Now, today we want to look at the second quality of true courage. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to First uh, Samuel chapter 26. First Samuel 26. And as you turn there, let me bring you up to speed with a story from where we left off. Now, last week we saw a 17-year-old boy defeating a giant, doing something that people thought was impossible, simply because he was aligned. He knew this is what God wanted for him to do. From that point on, it seemed like his life could only get better. I mean, the guy continued with his side hustle. His side hustle was a king's personal entertainer, and that's not a small thing to be. But in addition to that, he got promoted. He got an army job. He became a general. He became a famous general. In fact, he was so famous, musicians made a song about him that became number one in the billboard charts for the whole region. And everybody was singing about him. I mean, this thing, everybody was just dancing. As you pass, guys are just singing his name. He was so popular. In addition to that, things only continued getting better. He even got, uh, he he fell in love with the king's daughter. She agreed to marry him. And now he was part of the first family. I mean, a few months before he had been looking after sheep. Now the dude was rolling with the rollers. You know, he was walking, he was, he was, he was balling with the ballers. He was there. And he was, he was being led, I mean people, he had, he had drivers, he had people driving his chariot, he had people opening the way for him. His career could only get better. And then it hit a wall. Because his boss became jealous of his success. Anybody have a boss that gets jealous? Of, no, no, don't put up your hand because they could be sitting behind you. But you know what I'm talking about. His boss became threatened by his success. And his boss began to do everything he could to frustrate him. It became so bad that on three separate attempts, his boss tried to end his life. He tried to kill him. Now, you have to ask yourself, what was David doing, still working for Saul, the first time Saul tried to pin him with a spear and missed? You know, I think David wrote it off and said, you know what, this guy is actually unwell. Everybody in the country knew he was unwell. He had a, he had a depression. I think he had a case of clinical depression. And they thought, you know what, this is illness. The guy, the guy, in fact, that's my job, to entertain him and get him to the place where he feels better. After the third time, he recognized depression has nothing to do with this guy. Uh, this is not sickness. This guy is mad. And he wants to kill me. And at that point, David decided, the only thing that can, I can do to save my life is to take off. And so from that point on, David fled into, out of his home, out of the comfort of his job, into the wilderness. And for the next 15 years, this man who had, become, who had been number one, uh, uh, the, the, pra- the man God had promised to make king, the most popular person in the kingdom, now he became number one fugitive on jerusalem's most wanted and i mean this guy was being pursued by all the the police everybody was under instructions shoot on sight Uh, he, he could not go anywhere without the the law being all over him and now they were sleeping in caves isolated from their families scrounging for food from well wishers. at one point in fact he had to run into the the enemy's land the philistine land the one place that Saul couldn't chase him and because he knew those guys would kill him as well he had to pretend to be mad Now, by the way, you know, sometimes we read the scripture as a spiritual book. I always say, please, just try and read it like a real book. Uh, Because how would you act if you're trying to be mad? No, no, seriously. Just, Just imagine. How would you act if you're trying to convince someone you're mad? It's not a very dignifying thing, isn't it? The guy was probably eating dust, drooling, screaming, jumping up and down like a monkey. This is a man who had been first family. But now he was the lowest of the low. All because of this King Saul. And his life was in a horrible place. His own men, the people who had come around him, because he attracted all kinds of gangsters, other people who were in trouble with the law, came to become part of his, 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 his team. And these guys felt he was too patient. The thing that he said God had promised him, it was not happening. And something was going wrong with this whole plan. Until that day, when a golden opportunity presented itself. That's what we want to read about. First Samuel chapter 26. Some Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah. And they said, Ziphites, by the way, they were were the squealers, they were the the, the pigeons. They're the ones who sold, they're the ones who are looking around to tell tell the king what was going wrong. Uh, They informed on others. And they came to Gibeah. And they said, did you know that David is hiding out on the Kakila hill just opposite Jeshimon? Saul was on his feet in a minute. And on his way to the wilderness of Ziph taking 3,000 of his best men the pick of the crop, to hunt for David in that wild desert. He camped off just the road at, at Hakila Hill, opposite Jeshimon. David, still out in the back country, knew that Saul had come after him. He sent scouts to determine his precise location. Then David set out and came to the place where Saul had set up camp for himself, and so for himself, where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, his general, were staying. Saul was safely inside the camp and circled. By the army. Taking charge, David spoke to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and Abishai, son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, who will go down with me and enter Saul's camp? Abishai whispered, I'll go with you. So David and Abishai, they entered the encampment by night, and there he was, Saul. Stretched out asleep at the center of the camp, his spear stuck in the ground next to his head, with Abner and his troops, sound asleep on all sides. I tell you, the Bible is amazing, isn't it? Are you feeling the tension? This is a story and a half. Abishai said, This is the moment. God has put your enemy in your grasp. Let me nail him to the ground with his spear. One hit will do. Believe me, I won't need a second. (laughs) But David said to Abishai, Don't you dare hurt him. Who could lay a hand on God's anointed and even think of getting away with it? And he went on, As God lives, either God will strike him or his time will come. Or he'll die in bed. Or he'll fall in battle. But God forbid that I should lay a finger on God's anointed. Now grab the spear at his head and the water jug and let's get out of here. David took the spear and the water jug that were right beside Saul's head. And they slipped away. Not a soul saw. Not a soul knew. No one woke up. They all slept through the whole thing. A blanket of deep sleep from God had fallen on them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is alive. (laughs) Your word is active. Your word is so amazing. It has life and light for us. And I pray, Lord, as we come to your word now, that, Father, you would speak and instruct us from this word. Show us the way we should go. Counsel us and watch over us. We recognize that this word is explosive. It has the power to change our lives completely, that we would leave this place different. We recognize there's an enemy of our soul who would keep us in the same place. And so right now, we rebuke the devil, any harassing spirit in this place. We bind you, we silence you, we cast you from this place. And we declare open heavens in this house. We declare that, Father, your word would fall on every one of us and transform us, making us who you created us to be. Lord, we love you. And we come with open hearts. Speak to us, your children. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray, God's people say, Amen. Now, please note that this was not the first opportunity David had had to kill Saul. Just two chapters before, 1 Samuel 24, something very similar had happened. Saul had gathered his soldiers. He was out there chasing David. David was hiding in a cave. Saul decided to use the cave for a long call. Now, A long call is what us Kenyans call going to the bathroom, uh, relieving yourself, taking a dump, whatever you want to say. This is how Kenyans say, we're going for a... Uh, okay, don't say it. Uh, he was going for a long call. So imagine... David, now, again, I always tell you, many of us over-spiritualize scripture. Because they, scripture is about real life. And so you can imagine, I always try and imagine when I'm reading the scripture, imagine what this felt like. David is hiding in the cave. They're over there. And then all of a sudden, they smell something in the air. And they look at each other body like, ah, sasawe, nini, bana, and, and the guy says, oh, it's not me, it's not me. And then they look up and they, oh, oh shh. And then they look up and what do they see? <laughs> Now, again, you guys are spiritual. Saul is not praying. Uh, Saul is doing his business. And he's doing it so intently, he can't even hear the other guys in the tent with him. Uh, he's, he's in that space. And David at that point has every uh, opportunity to come and just spear the guy without him knowing. But David spares his life. And at that point, Saul is so embarrassed. In fact, he is so humbled that David spared his life. He goes off with his army. He calls off his army and they call off the pursuit. But just a little while later... Here is Saul again, pursuing David again. And I wonder if at that point, whether David was so discouraged. God, I've prayed about this. God, I thought you already delivered me from this situation. Why am I in the same place again? Do you ever feel that sometimes in your relationship with God? It's like, God, I've prayed. We dealt with this issue. Why am I in debt again? Why am I in a situation like this in my relationship again? And David found himself, it's, a, it's like I've prayed and I've prayed and somehow, this situation has refused to end. You know, I remember asking my, my family another time at dinner, uh, we were praying. And I remember we asked our children, what is one big thing that you're trusting God for? We want to pray for miracles in our family. So what is one big thing? Every And people went around and one of my daughters, ah, oh, bless her heart. She almost broke my heart that day. She said, I don't think there's any, there's any use praying. I said, what do you mean there's no use praying? She said, I've prayed and prayed. She wants to be on honor roll. Honor roll is like a mark of distinction in their school uh, where you've been all around uh, excellent. He said, I've prayed for this thing for so many years. It will never happen. Why should I bother praying? And I remember with my my mom, we looked at her and thought, you're only eight. Surely, that's a very deep thing for an eight-year-old to be suffering through. And we told her, no, God is able to do it. So we're trusting God that she's going to be on honor roll. But, you know, you find yourself in that place where you've prayed and you've trusted God. And it still isn't happening. Now, I don't know what made David just walk into that camp. Maybe he just decided, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm not running again from this guy. And he went in. Maybe he even wanted to surrender. And it's like, Lord, I don't care if they catch me. You take me. I don't even know if he had really processed why he was going. But the thing is that he told his two men who were there, who's coming with me? And Abishai said, count me in. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about that. Because every one of us, Needs an Abishai in your life. Somebody who, even when you do the craziest things, will not walk away from you. Will stand with you in the middle of your decisions. But anyway, that's another story. Because what happened is then, the other guy was left behind. And I think if I was among them, I probably would have been the other guy. Who would have said, you know what? You guys go in. I'll cover you. I'll be praying and interceding for you. Don't worry. If anything happens, I'll tell the rest of the guys. I mean, that's a so he, So, Abishai, so they go in. And at that point, what happens next is born legacy meets mission impossible free. I mean, just imagine they're going in and they're stepping over some guys who are asleep. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, the guy's about to wake up and they jump and they pose. And they look at each other, and they're going. I mean, <laughs> the scripture is real. Do you understand? These are serious stories. And they go in, and they find themselves in the middle of the tent. They go in. They pass the first three thousand, and then it's three hundred, and then thirty of the mightiest, and the three mightiest, and then it's Abner. Finally, they're looking at Saul. Okay, turn the music off. <laughs> I think we must pray and ask God to give us divine imagination when we read his word, isn't it? This stuff is amazing. When you read it, it's like, wow. Imagine. Hollywood should be making movies from this stuff. So anyway, at that point, they have a whispered argument. Because they must have been whispering, isn't it? I mean, that whole conversation, that whole argument must have been whispered. Because they're surrounded by 3,000 people who are all intent to kill them. Navy SEALs, guys who've got their, you know, fierce guys. And so in the middle of all that, they have this argument. And Abner, he recognized that the last time David had a chance, he didn't take it. So Abner volunteered himself. Let me. And I'm sure they're talking sign language. And David is like... And they're looking at each other across the room. It's like, Abner, like... At that point, David told him, no, it's not going to happen. And they take the spear... and the the jug, and they walk out. Now I want you to note something. This is what I want you to note in this passage. That David refused to take advantage of the opportunity. David recognized something that I don't think we often recognize. That not every opportunity is from God. Not every opportunity is from God. Do you recognize that the devil also gives opportunities? Oh yes, he does. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He he gives opportunities as well. He gave them to Jesus. He actually came to Jesus and said, listen, I know what your mission is. It's to rule. Your mission is that the nations will worship you. So here it is. I want to give you the shortcut. But you know, if Jesus had taken Satan's shortcut, it would have short circuited his purpose. Not every shortcut, not every opportunity is from God. You see, the problem for us is when we want something so desperately, when we are so longing for that thing, when we know our lives will change if we had this one thing. Many times we want it and we want it now. We want to have it immediately. But we forget, often the lesson we forget in the wilderness of waiting is that courage is built by endurance. Courage is built by endurance. What we don't often realize is that God may not even be saying no to that request. But he actually wants you to wait. Not because he wants to torture you. But because there are much bigger things that he wants to do in your life. And so right now I want us to explore this. Why does God make us wait so long to answer some vital prayers? The benefits of waiting. Let's talk about this. Three things I think I can see from from the life of David. The first thing about waiting is that waiting builds faith. Waiting builds faith. You know, it's one thing to trust God when things are going your way. It's one thing to trust God in the middle of miracles, financial breakthrough, healing is happening. I'm praying and I'm being promoted at work. The job came just the day I asked for it to happen. I gave my count me in pledge and the next week I got promoted. I mean, that's a time when your doesn't your faith in God go, grow at that time? Oh, yes, it does. You have a count me in story. You have great things to share. It's one thing to trust God when things are going well. But it's a completely different thing to trust God in the middle of disappointment. When things are not going your way. When financial breakthrough has not come. When healing has not quickly appeared. You see, David had learned to trust God in the middle of good things. He knew how to trust God in victory over bears and lions and giants. David knew the God of the mountaintop, but now he needed to know the God of the valleys. Because you see, our God is not just God of the good times. He's also the God of the challenging times as well. That's the God you serve. You know, there's a a commercial that says, brood to go with the good times. I say, God isn't brood to go with the good times. He's brood to go with all times. And sometimes you need to learn that lesson. The Lord might have such big things in your life He wants you to go through that you will never know if you just know one facet of Him. And so God allowed David to go through these things, to teach him that he was also God of the valleys. And I love this about David, that in his difficult times, he didn't pretend everything was well, that David was real with God. You know, I've been reading through the Psalms. I told you that uh, last week. I read, I'm reading through the, the, the message, uh, paraphrase of the Bible. Very modern English. Very startling when you read it many times. In the Psalms, actually, David's prayer journal, much of it is what we call the Psalms today. David wrote out his prayers, and his prayers were real. If you look at Psalm 42, verse 9, in this message, what it says is, Sometimes I ask God, Why did you let me down? Why am I walking around in tears, harassed by my enemies? Psalm 43, verse 26 to 23 to 26, he says, Get up, God! Are you going to sleep all day? Wake up! Don't you care what happens to us? Why are you pretending things are just fine with us? Get up and come to our rescue. If you love us so much, help us! Anybody ever told God that? You know, the problem with us is we are so spiritual when we pray. But we come, things are so thick. You're telling everybody how things are thick, but when it comes to prayer, what do you do? Our Father who art in heaven. I receive your will. What is that? David told God everything. He said, those enemies who are frustrating me, that boss, kill him. Yeah, that's what he really was thinking. You know, that you're saying, oh God, I forgive. You're not forgiving. You're saying, kill him. That's what you really want to say, isn't it? David told God everything in his heart. And I've learned from this man. You know something about the scripture? It calls David the man after God's own heart. David wasn't the man after God's own gifts. because Many of us are like that. It's like we're after the gifts of God. But David learned to serve the giver and not the gift. He learned to worship God whether gifts were coming his way or not. He became the man after God's own heart because of the wilderness. And there are many of us who don't understand that that season you're going through right now, it's actually God allowing you to grow in your faith, to become the woman after God's own heart, to become the man after God's own heart. Because courage, true courage, is built by endurance. Second thing that courage does, or, or waiting does, it creates space for God. It creates space for God. Even though David didn't know it, this was the last time he'd ever see Saul. This is actually the last time he'd ever see him. That time sleeping, that's the last time he'd ever see him. Because a few months later, actually just a, a short while after that, Saul would go into battle and exactly what David had said might happen, happened. He was killed in that battle. And you know what happened Next is, first of all, David's tribe decided he was their king. That's natural, isn't it? That when you have a hero from your tribe, you decide he's the only guy who can be king. So they decide to make him king. But what happens next is even more important. Because all the tribes of Israel, including Saul's tribe, come and make David to be their king. They rally around this man, and they make him the greatest king that Israel ever saw. The king of a united country, That was a huge country. It was the largest boundaries they got. Now, here's the thing you need to realize. That had David taken things into his own hands and killed Saul, that he'd not have uh, received a united Israel that would have come to him uh, asking him to to become their king. What he'd have inherited is a country in civil war and suspicion and fighting. You know, he took things, because he refused to take things in his own hands, like Abner was doing, was asking him to, he created space for God to be God. You know, there are many of us who have taken things in our own hands, and we're doing it for ourselves because God seems to be taking his own sweet time, and God has stepped aside. He's like, since you already have a God yourself, since you already know what you want to do with your life, why don't you do it? And you know the amazing thing, I I hear people tell me this all the time, they're like, Pastor... Why did God abandon me? And I say, okay, tell me what you did. And they tell you everything they did. They say, but God didn't need to be in your life. You're already being God. You didn't need another God. You were already taking charge. You already knew everything you needed to do. So why are you blaming God for not being there when he wasn't invited in the first place? So you see what happens with David? Is that David says, let God. David knows enough to understand that God who called me king can make me king, soul or no soul. And he understands to give God space to be God. You must give God space to be God. In that situation you're struggling in, that place of faith where you've you've been so impatient, give God space to be God. Third thing that happens when we wait, third benefit of waiting, is that it shapes purpose. It shapes purpose. This is a very incredible one for me. You see, you need to understand about the Philistines. The Philistines... Who are sort of not mentioned in this text, but they are a, a, a continual theme in the book of 1 Samuel. The Philistines were Israel's most persistent, most invincible, uh, most malicious enemy that they were that they faced. And they had harassed them for over a hundred years to this point. What had happened is ever since you remember Samson, the big the big mighty guy who couldn't control himself with women, uh, ever since those days. The Philistines had been in the land, destroying, taking, pillaging. And many of the Israelite towns were controlled by Philistines. They had not found a solution to get rid of them. But you know what God was doing? God is so strange. The way he works is not the way we think. David had to run away from Saul. And the only place he could go where Saul wouldn't find him was among the Philistines. That's why he went to act mad among them. The Philistines got so comfortable around David, they gave him a city and they told him, you go and hang out there. They recognized this guy is so hated by his own people. (laughs) let's just look after him, (laughs) you know, let's let's just, so they cared for him, but you know what David did, rather than sit back and complain about Saul, and say, oh, this man doesn't care for me, I've been chased away from my home, woe is me, you know what David did, he organized his band of men, and they carried out raids against Israel's enemies, he was still working for his calling, even though he wasn't being paid for it, and he went out, and they would destroy towns of enemies of Israel, from behind Philistine lines. And then the Bible tells us, by the way, read it, it's amazing. It tells us whenever he came up to to see the king of the Philistines and he was asked, where were you raiding? He would give him a completely different direction from where they went. And the one thing they would do is they'd kill everybody there so nobody would come back and report. This is what these guys are actually doing within you. David was actually preparing himself for kingship in the middle of the wilderness. And no wonder then that within just a few years of David being king, almost never hear of the philistines again in scripture he wipes them out he knows everything about them he knows how they operate do you see how god works mysteriously that he pushes you in a place of wilderness but it's because he needs you to learn some skills there that become the meaning of your calling david was a king appointed to get rid of the philistines it was part of his purpose and because he went through with the wilderness he didn't give up on god in that situation god was able to fashion a man after his own heart the greatest king that Israel had ever known. You see, with God, none of our experiences are wasted. Too many of us want the glory, but we don't want the story. You want to be the greatest king. You want to be the person who is known. You want all the credit. But you don't want to go through the wilderness that will get you to be that place. The story behind the glory. You know, I find it very interesting when I talk to people who have been through it, and they've come out on the other side. Somehow, it's like they forget the pain because of the joy of what they receive. I still remember when I was young, listening to my parents talk about very horrible stories of things they went through when they were young. And you'd, as a child, you'd even be scared of the stories. I still remember, and you know men, especially when they're trying to outdo each other with their stories. They, ble- I mean, they embellish the story. My goodness, the car was coming directly at us. And in our bus, we're just moving like this. And then, bam, I was thrown out of the window. And my leg was cut. Ca- you know, you think as a kid, oh, good, that story must be And the man is laughing as he tells it. Why? Because he survived to tell the story, isn't it? And now he has glory. Everybody's looking at him. He's like the village chief. He has stories to tell. Because he survived, and now he has something to talk about. Woe oh, unto the man who had no stories in that gathering. People would be looking at him like, you haven't lived. What's wrong with you? You know, there's, 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 there's a story that comes before glory. And this is a place we're in, that God is giving us our purpose. He's shaping our purpose. And part of that includes the wilderness that we find ourselves in. Now, there are many ways that we deal with persistent challenges. Some of us will do everything we can because we don't know that true courage is built by endurance. We'll do everything we can to avoid uh, problems. The minute you see a problem showing up, I'm out. When the going gets tough, tough gets going. Others of us, we get so angry with God that either we take things in our own hands like Abishai or we leave God altogether. And I've met many people in Mavuno who've done that or people who used to be in Mavuno. Say, so I no longer come to church. Why? Because God did this. How could he do this? What kind of God would do that? And say, look, look I, I just, I gave up. There are others of us who are too spiritual for that response. So what do we do? We say, it's God's will. It's God who allowed it. And we just say, it's okay, it's okay. You know, it's like you're just holding yourself. It's okay. God just harassed me, but it's okay. You know, <laughs> let me say that this is, none of these responses is the response God wants from us. There are many people who've learned a different response. There are people who've learned not only to survive their challenges, but to find, reach out with God's help to find something positive in those challenges and become a blesser of others because of those challenges. I once had the privilege of meeting an amazing, remarkable young lady. Uh, Actually, she was older than me, but she just had such a young spirit. Uh, Her name is Johnny Erickson Tada. And she is an American lady. At 18 years old, was a beautiful, upcoming, uh, very, very adventurous young lady from a wealthy family. She used to ride horses. She would go swimming. She was a champion in many things. And then one day, at 18, she dived off a boat into a bay and hit a rock with her head and was paralyzed from the neck down. Rest of her life, she's never been able to move anything below her neck. For the next two years, Johnny was in serious depression, completely felt abandoned by God. But somehow, with the help of her friends, somehow, as she just reached deep, God began to make meaning of what she was going through. And you know what happened is, when I met Johnny, because of her experience and her ability to encourage people in difficult circumstances, Johnny was the most inspiring person I have ever had in my life. That short time that she gave us her speech, I've never had a speech like that before, and it was such a powerful uh, uh, impact simply because she had a story behind uh, behind what she did. Johnny has written over 40 books, been published, has spoken internationally in many many different forums. She's recorded, I think, almost uh, uh, she she's not she's recorded music. Uh, there's a, a movie that's been made about her life an autobiographical story about her life. She's an amazing, gifted artist, a painter. And she does it with her mouth because her hands can't move. And she's pre- painted pictures that I couldn't paint even if I consider myself a budding artist. I mean, I looked at her art, and it's incredible art. And she blesses many and has been an inspiration to many disabled people because of her abilities to, to overcome what she went through. Another a fearless person, much closer to home, Many of you know her because she's been part of our worship team. Her name is Doris Mayoli. And, and, and Doris, she has an amazing story. Uh, about 2005, she discovered she had cancer. And that's a, life sen- a death sentence for many people. But over the next five years, by God's grace, she was able to overcome it. And unlike many people who would just walk away from that and continue with, with life, what she did instead is reach deep, find meaning for what she went through. And as a result, she founded the TWA Trust, And what the trust does is uh, fundraise, create solutions, create encouragement for people who are struggling with cancer in this country, especially the poor, who can't afford treatment. And because of Doris, many children, many adults have found treatment. And many have found encouragement in the time of their difficulty. Somehow able to turn the difficulty into something that was a blessing to others. Another person that some of you might know is called Alice Wongera, fearless lady. I think she goes to Mamlaka Hill Chapel, one of our sister churches. And she had an, a dramatic experience, a horrible experience. Uh, she lost both her husband and her, a very close brother within six months of each other to the same reason. Every one of them was admitted to our national hospital down the road. And both of them lost their lives within a short time of being admitted because of neglect of the staff of that hospital. And uh, wow, she was devastated by this. But somehow, through God's grace, she was able to reach in and be able to, to found something called the, Moses, the Morris Moses Foundation. And the Morris Moses Foundation exists simply to, to ensure that Kenyans, every Kenyan receives a quality health care at an affordable price. That is, with compassion from the people giving it. And she's formed a lobby group that does this through her foundation. And I know that there's a lot of credit that goes to that foundation for changing how our hospitals, public hospitals, are operating. There's a big task ahead of her. But I know already they have some huge achievements. One of the things that I know was credited to them is a director of medical services who was in charge of that hospital, fell sick, and then admitted himself into Nairobi Hospital, a private hospital down the road. And she was so mad at that that she got together, her group, and they lobbied the government about that, and the man lost his job. Because basically she was saying, you cannot be running a public hospital and then going to get better care elsewhere than you're willing to provide for others. And this is just one person who could have been a victim, but somehow reached deep and became a victor instead. Now I've told you three stories of fearless women. Any of these women could have, could have given up, faced situations that none of them I'm sure would have wished on themselves or their worst enemies. But rather than try and avoid the pain, Rather than try to deny it or to fight it, what they did was to reach deep. And somehow, their test became a testimony. And their pain became a platform that they're using to be a blessing to many. What is the word that God is giving us this morning? It is this. That true courage is built by endurance. True courage is built by endurance. By endurance. You know, many of us, we, we, we miss this. Because somebody goes and they say, oh, I'm tired of this job. I don't even like how I'm being treated. I quit. And all of us in the life group are like, wow, fearless. <laughs> and sometimes we're not asking, are you sure you should have quit? Was there something God had for you there that you ran away for without asking whether you should have done something about it? So how do I know which challenges to attack? And which ones to persevere or to endure? I think that's a key question here. Last week I talked about Goliath. And when it's a Goliath, if you're aligned with God, what do you do? You attack! But sometimes not every problem is a Goliath. There are problems you're supposed to endure. So how do you know the difference? I want to say that David teaches us this as well. A big part of that answer has to do with alignment. David chose to believe that God is the one who appointed him as king. And that God would be the one who put him in that position. And that he would not violate his faith or his principles in order to take that opportunity. I think that's a really critical thing for us to to, to pick out here. Does that opportunity that is presenting itself right now, will it lead you to violating your faith or violating your principles? That's a great test. And if it does, any of those two. Then it clearly is a something you need to persevere through and endure. Now, here's the thing. When you look at what uh, David was going through, you need to ask yourself when you find an opportunity <laughs> Will this opportunity allow me to be a worshiper of God after this? Will I still have a clear conscience when I do it? Will I have time for my family? That's a value. Will I be able to spend time with my wife and my children? Or will I take this opportunity to take me away from them for the next three years? And I'll say, praise God. God has provided. There's some opportunities you need to say, no. This violates a principle. And even though it means I may not go ahead and we're in a tough situation, I need to endure and trust God for solution. Will this opportunity bring you closer to God? Help you become a person who serves? There are many people who tell me, Pastor M, since I got this job, I've not been to church for a year. I say Listen to that. Has your faith grown? No. And it was a God opportunity? I say, Satan could have given you that opportunity to distract you because he could see who you're becoming. You need to be able to say, does this violate my faith? Does it violate my principles? Because I know too many Christians who violated and sacrificed their faith at the altar of you might not get this opportunity again. Too many people. Do you ever find yourself thinking that? It's like, I know this is the wrong guy. I know this is the wrong thing, but who knows when the next chance like this will come by. I might miss the train and be single the rest of my life, isn't it? So it's like, you know what, let me just enter this train. Even though I'm, I'm, I know it's a wrong one, but at least it's a train. Oh, come on, am I preaching to somebody in the house today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Many of us do that. We know it's the wrong thing, but we do it anyway. But here's the thing, maybe you're short-circuiting an opportunity. In fact, many times a shortcut you're taking short-circuits your purpose. And you need to be careful that that is not what you're doing. Courage might mean that you fight for that marriage. Even if you feel betrayed by your spouse, and you know that everything in you is screaming that you'd be much happier without her or without him. Courage might mean you stay and ask God to show you why he put you there. Courage might mean refusing to pay that bribe, even though you know it probably means your, con- your company might be downlisted and you might not get any tenders because you're not willing to do that. And courage might mean to say, I will trust my God, even in this difficult situation. Courage might mean that you stay sexually pure and you hold on to God's word rather than jumping in with somebody you know is not the right person. And saying, God, even if it means I don't know when you'll bring Mr. Right or Miss Right, or even if you will bring them, I will still trust you to be my provider. You see, courage, courage is not avoiding pain. It's not taking things into our own hands. But many times, courage is leaning into that pain and asking God, God, make meaning out of this. Make meaning out of this. Show me why I'm in this wilderness. By the way, this is one of the lessons I've learned from my wife. Because she's taught me not to avoid pain, not to deny pain. Write to God about it. Cry out to God about it. And ask God, show me wisdom in the middle of this situation. Why are you allowing me to go through this? Because I believe. You know, courage is this. It's trusting God and believing. His word that says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And Lord, I'm going to trust you in all things. Even in this part where my company hasn't grown for six years, because I wouldn't take some sudden shortcuts in all things, somehow, (laughs) you're working for my purpose. True courage is built by endurance. I want to conclude. But before I do this, there's a three-minute video clip that I'd like you to watch. It's about a man named Nick Vujicic. He's a believer. He is a man who has impacted thousands upon thousands in many, many countries across the world. And I hope his story will be a blessing to you. Check this out.
1: I wasn't ready.
2: I have no arms and no legs, but I'm very thankful that I have my little chicken drumstick here. People freak out when they see me for the first time. It's so cool. I was at a water slide uh, all by myself. Everyone obviously at the bottom of the slide is looking up and waiting for other people to come down. And here I come, and they're freaking out. They're like, you know, like this. And I was so tempted to look at myself and go,
0: what happened? You
2: know? times where I sort of looked at my life and thinking, well, I can't do this, and I can't do that, and you keep on concentrating on the things that you wish you had, or the things that you wish you didn't have, and you sort of forget what you do have, and there's no point, I believe, in my life where I wish I had arm's legs, I wish I had arm's legs, I wish I had arm's legs, because wishing won't help, but what I've seen in life are just a couple key principles, and the first thing that I've seen is to be thankful. It's hard to be thankful man. I tell you, when I was eight years old, I I sort of summed up my life and thought I'm never going to get married, I'm I'm not going to have a job, I'm not going to have a life of purpose. What kind of a husband am I going to be if I can't even hold my wife's hand? It's a lie to think that you're not good enough. It's a lie to think that you're not worth anything. It's freezing, I can't feel my hands. (laughs) I love life. You know, so many people come and say, how come you smile so much? And I'm like, well, it's it's, it's a long story. (laughs) But it's very simple at the same time. You see, it's very hard to smile sometimes in life. There are things that happen that you don't know and you don't understand. And you don't know if you're going to get through it. You know, you go through your storms in life and you don't know how long this storm is going to be. And today I want to share with you some principles that I've learned in my life that you can use in yours. Being patient is beautiful. I, I tell you, it's the hardest thing. But I realize I may not have hands to hold my wife's hand. But when the time comes, I'll be able to hold her heart. I don't need hands to hold her heart you know it is scary to know how many girls have eating disorders it is scary to know how many people are just angry at life because of their situation at home and angry at others it's scary to know how many people actually feel like they're worth nothing every single girl right here right now I want you to know that You are gorgeous just the way you are. And you boys, you're the man. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. I want to pray for us as we end our service. You know, as I pray, I just, I just sense there's somebody who's been here, who's been wanting to give up. You've been so fed up, so frustrated. Lord, why did you allow this to happen? How did you put me in this marriage? Why did you put me in this situation where I can't find a job? Why have you done this and not answered my prayer? My my prayer for you is that through this word you've heard, a life change has happened. Through this testimony you've heard from this young man, something is moving in your life. That God is beginning to stir you up to realize that right now you're in that process that builds courage. That true courage that is built by endurance. And if you're here, I want to pray for you. If you've been in that situation, you've almost given up on God. You've even, you've just wondered, how forgotten can I be? How could God put me in this situation? Maybe you've been tempted to take shortcuts. But I want to tell you today, our God is here. And our God loves you. And He cares for you. And He wants to put you back in that path. So I'm going to ask you, stand up if this is you. If you know that the Lord is speaking to you right now. And He's telling you, yes, you are my son. I want you back here. Come on, stand wherever you are. Don't even worry about the person next to you. I know God is speaking. Speak to God be the glory. Come on, let's appreciate those who are standing right now. You know, you've almost given up on God. You've come to that place of despair and difficulty about your family, about your children, about whatever it is. But God is saying, I see you. I see you. And right now you're saying, Lord, help me because I must have the patience to endure. To God be the glory. Don't, don't worry about who's next to you. Stand wherever you are because I know our God is here and He is powerful. And He is able to meet you in that situation you're in. And um, as they stand up, I know there are others here who've even made the compromise. That Lord, you got so impatient with God that you just decided to do things your own way. And right now you're in a situation where you're even, this has even driven you far from God because of choices you made. And I believe that our Father is saying, I'm the God of a second chance. I can still restore you. Even now, if you will reach out. <laughs> Don't give up on me. I haven't given up on you yet. And you want to say to your father, forgive me, Lord, for choosing to go my own way. I want to surrender and ask God to give you help in that situation to know how to glorify him. Come on, stand up and join those who are are standing. Just stand wherever you are. Let's appreciate all those who are standing as well. Let's appreciate them and encourage them as they stand. To God be the glory for every single one of you. I believe that the word of the Lord to every one of you is this. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. invite Pastor Simon to come up and pray for us. I just sense that there are many people here who need God. And I'm going to ask you to just put your hand in front of of yourself like this. and Just say, Lord, speak to me. Even as Pastor Simon leads us in prayer and concludes the service.
1: Thank you. Let me just ask one other category to join those who are standing right now. There's some of us who feel out of a mess. God wants to... Give me a message to the world. God wants me to have a message out of a misery that I've been through. If that's you and the Lord was speaking to you, please stand up. God is asking you, you messed up, things didn't work, but now I want to use that. Place it on my hands. I want to use it as a ministry. I want to use you to touch the single, the single parents, others, uh, because of what you went through. God want to make God wants to make a ministry out of it. Well, many of us uh, that feel that. God is a redemptive God. Stretch your hands out as well as we pray right now. Father, we stand in various categories before an almighty God that is redemptive, who doesn't stand and accuse us, but invites us to walk with him. And Lord, out of our detours, we want to come back to you and ask you to forgive us right now. Forgive us of the mess we have made of our lives. Forgive us for the detours. Forgive us for the misadventures. And return us to yourself because we come willingly to our Father who loves us in spite of our mess. The God who is prodigal in his love and is reaching out to us. We come back to you. Lord, we want to pray for those of us who have given up that right now You will just uh, uh, drop in their hearts a seed of faith. The Lord, they'll believe that you're great and that you're good. You're able to do anything that is within your will. But you're also good towards them and you love them. We pray for a revival of faith that they'll be able to cry out with Job. Even though you slew me, yet will I trust you. Even though I don't understand what you're doing, yet will I hold on to you. We pray that out of their place of despair, there will be courage. The God of all courage and comfort will stand in there with them right now. And they'll reach out their hand to hold on to you. Lord, we want to pray for every other category of people that you've talked to today. The ministries we need to start. The ways we need to go out and share our story into the glory of God. We're praying that your blessing and your power will rest on each and every one of us who is standing right now. So all of us will lift our lives and situations to you. The one who is more than able to make uh, lemonade out of the lemons we give you. The one who is able to make a message out of this misery. The God Almighty who deserves glory will lift our lives to you. And we worship you that you will give, continue to be,